Hello, people, and welcome to the Geekatorium podcast number seven. This week, uh, I sat down with the wonderful Mark Silk and visited him at his home. Uh, Mark is a voice actor. Uh, he's known for, he's been on Star Wars, Chicken Run, Pingu. Uh, he's the American voice of uh, Bob the Builder. Uh, but you might know him for a couple of other small parts like uh, Scooby-Doo uh, and Johnny Bravo. So it was really, really nice to actually sort of go out to his place and sit down. And, you know, he's got quite a collection of really cool geek stuff. Um, and we got really, really nerdy about what we spoke about. Um, and it's nice to know, you know, when you know people don't change. They are. When you're a geek, you're a geek. You enjoy these things. It's because of what you like. Um, but we had a really great chat. So I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed recording it. If you do enjoy the podcast, you know, you can get involved. Let me know what you think. We've got a Facebook page. We've got a, um, a Twitter account. We've got, you know, just pop onto one of them. Let us know what you think of it. You can also pop onto like iTunes um, and leave a review or you can share the podcast with other people. Let them know what you think and if you're enjoying it. And if you want to come and see me live um, this weekend, I'm in Glasgow at the Comedy Festival. Uh, Saturday, I'm doing my show Star Trek versus Star Wars at half past three in Yes Bar and on Sunday I'm doing my solo show I'm a fan um, again at 3.30 in Yes Bar so if you fancy coming along to them pop onto the Glasgow Comedy Festival website you can get all the details buy the tickets all that stuff um, but if you've enjoyed the show let me know and if you really enjoyed the show and you really really do fancy it you could buy me a coffee I like a little coffee. If you pop on to coffee.com forward slash Rick Carranza, that's ko-fi.com forward slash Rick Carranza, you can buy me a coffee. And I will take the money that you buy me and I will not buy my own coffees. Um, and I'll take that money and I'll reinvest it back into the podcast. So that will be travel for guests to um, podcast hosting to new equipment. And, you know, we'll continue this podcast and hopefully make it grow. But... Without further ado, let's go into the podcast. There we go. And we're going, and this is your show. Yeah, and I, exactly, it is my, there's no actual intro. Like, I, should be so, well, there is. Ladies and gentlemen, reg- welcome to <laughs> podcast about interesting things with Rick Thingy. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's my, that's my intro now. Fantastic. See you next week for another one. <laughs> Bye-bye. Um, thank you so much for having me here by the way this you're, is you're very welcome I, this in the is, secret wow. studio this is like looking around it's like i'm so impressed with all the stuff you're you have you're still a nerd aren't you yeah like you're still Big, a nerd no, yeah I, I still love all this i mean I'm, i've been fortunate enough to do this as a career and yeah. work on some really high profile shows and films and games and all that if i wasn't doing this for a living i'm still a fanboy yeah. so i would happily queue up and watch people who i admire and are fascinated by just talk and tell you know tell you how they do it yeah i'll go and i want to go and do the tours of the studios i do i i love doing tours of studios and meeting the artists and the animators and the musicians it just happens that i'm working on those shows and i'm in the shows yeah yeah yeah. so you get like sort of the you you get the front end and the back end you're like you're seeing like you're being the nerd at the front going oh my god but then you're getting to go behind the scenes back end nerd yeah that's the that's the next podcast that's it isn't it back end back end nerd (laughs) Just goes into the source code. This is. Yeah, I'd, like, I'd watch that. That would be brilliant. That's a good Back show. Nerd. There we go. I think we have a pitch for a show. That's so, it. Yeah. Let's print it. That's done. Uh, See you next week. <laughs> so, what when you were like growing up? Yeah. What was your thing? Like, yeah, you know, everyone has a thing. What was the first thing you got into? Oh well, 
even as a kid, I I was I was really fascinated by um, technology and mm. behind the scenes. I think I was. I was fascinated with things like the Muppets and from an early age yeah. when Star Wars came along, Star Wars and, and and anything on TV that showed how they do it, you know, when they draw the curtain back and they show you how the magic's created, mm. um, that's what I was completely besotted by. I fell in love with that very, very early on when I was like five years old or whatever. Yeah. So, um, you know, on Blue Peter or whatever the show might be, every now and then they bring, they'd bring Jim Henson. Jim Henson would come out and show you we have a new film. It's called The Dark Crystal, and he would show you the these incredible puppets, but you know, life size puppets with performers in them. And then, then he was um, a great one for pushing technology and, mm. and and helping tell a story with technology. And if there wasn't tech out there to do it, he would make them find a way of doing it. Yeah. So you look at what he did with things like Fraggle Rock. And the doozers, you know, these tiny little things, but they were remote controlled. They were amazing. Uh, so, well, some, yeah, they, they, they were a cross between um, uh, puppets with mechanisms underneath yeah. them and that. But then, uh, and same with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you know, course, and the animatronics yeah, yeah, yeah. get better and better. But yeah, so from a, from an early age, I was I was just um, fascinated by how do they do that. And as a kid, I remember I, I would get my I would get my mom and dad to run in the room at the at the end of a show and read the credits to me. <laughs> Really, wow. before I could read, you know, I was about 25. Yeah. And, and I knew that words were important. Right. Because mum and dad would read stories to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And take me to these, you know, wonderful magical worlds. But words were special. You know, this was treasure. So if there's words at the end of a show that I liked, it must be important information. Yeah. And they would read me these things and they go like, you know, Key grip, or foley artist, or director, floor manager. <laughs> but then on cartoons I loved, which yeah. were usually things like Cosgrove Hall film, mm. Cosgrove Hall, or um, Hanna Barbera, or you know Warner Brothers, these classics that, even though they're made in the forties, I'm seeing for the first time in the seventies and eighties. They're they're reading these credits to me, and you see animators and layout artists and and uh, you know inkers and painters, but then. At the top of it, voice actors, yeah, voice artists. And I just thought that was incredible. It, I understood really early on that there was there was somebody that was the voice of these things. Yeah. And you'd see these names again and again and again on all these cartoons, didn't matter what the studio was. You think, hang on, these 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 must be really talented people. Yeah. These are special. So you'd see names like Mel Blanc, yep. June Foray, Don Messick, Dawes Butler. Um, and who the hell's heard of most of those? You know, Mel Blanc is the governor of all these. Oh so. yeah, he's like the, he's the, the king of it all. Like, yeah, but he's like the, the everyone knows that name. Yeah, yeah and so. and, and uh, he was the voice of of most of Warner Brothers' yeah. A-list characters right from the forties through to when he died in the you know just after Roger Rabbit. Yeah, yeah. and he, he Mel Blanc was the voice of. Say your prayers, you sorry, say your prayers, you lump-eared varmint, or I'll blast you to smithereenies. And he was from Fuckatash, you're despicable. Wow. And yeah. what's up, Doc? You looking for a wabbit? Yeah, that's yeah. nice. And, and uh Tweety Pie and and he was the voice of Barney Rubble for uh, for Hanna Barbera for the Tweetfoot. Uh, come on, buddy, let's go. <laughs> he did so much. Yeah. And then people like uh Dawes Butler, who was uh uh, Yogi Bear and Dom Messick, who was gee Yogi, don't tell Ranger Smith about the picnic basket. And Dom Messick was the original voice of 
Scooby Dooby Doo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Like it's really creepy, Scooball Pal. Yeah, that was somewhere yeah. else. But who was that? So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. That was Casey Casey, the original voice of Shaggy. And you know they're gone now, so they need other, mm. other people to keep them going. I'm fortunate enough to be one of those people. Yeah, I, I got. To, oh God, God, we're really skipping right here. But the um, I got to meet Don Messick. The original voice of Scooby Doo at a gallery in mm. London. Yeah, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm based here in Birmingham, and uh, I travelled down there with a friend to to London. Uh, this in '95, and this just when I was a, a fan. You know, I'm a fanboy of this. You know, I wanted to see the artwork, but to meet this this man was just it was such a privilege. To yeah. I queued up and just and chatted with him, and what was really lovely. Everybody else there was treating him like a bit of a uh, cartoon voice jukebox. Mm. So do this, do this. Do this, do this, do this. Yeah, do this. Yeah, yeah. Which I get, I totally get. Uh, but I sat with him for, you know, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes and just talked to him about what he does. And, and I knew it inside out because he really meant something to me. And at one point he went, how do you know this? <laughs> said, and this is like what, pre-internet? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, you know, because... So it's real life stalking that you are on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Early stalker, yeah. yeah. <laughs> stalking these strange people that talk to themselves in studios. <laughs> but yeah, so I know, and I, I would get the, I would, you know, hunt down these rare books and magazines yeah. and, you know, it's, it's like any fanboy. Of course. Or yeah, girl. Yeah, 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 yeah. Will yeah. find this stuff. And, and so, yeah, so early on, um, I was fascinated with voices, but it was actually a much broader thing than that. And I think like most people that are creative, they might do one main thing for their career, but it won't be one thing that they're interested in. You know, yeah. it'll be this whole of the world, this whole big wide space of, of creative interest. So it was, I didn't know whether I wanted to be a puppeteer yeah, mm. because of the Muppet love, and and then or, or, or love the Muppets though. I mean, yeah, like, like I don't know. It's hard. I've not, I don't think I've ever met someone who's gone like, yeah, I really don't like them. But it's like they're just such joy. Well, we, we're sat in my studio now, and to just behind you there, yeah. there, there is a Kermit the Frog. I know, like, on the other side there, there is an original Gonzo. And wow, Kermit, these chickens are beautiful. <laughs> That's right. He's he's the best part of the Muppet Christmas Carol. As ah oh, his. Dave Goles, the original uh, puppeteer, uh, performer, mm. voice of Gonzo, all yeah. in one. Uh, he's still doing it now. Really? Yeah, he's still. Uh, wow. In fact, there, there are two amazing documentaries that are worth watching if you love the Muppets or yeah. just creativity in general. And, and there's one that um, when I was oh, nine, ten years old. Yeah blew my mind. It's one of these moments where, again, pre-internet, pre-DVDs, this is VHS special, <laughs> you know, and it was, it's called Of Muppets and Men. Okay. And it's the making of The Muppet Show. Ah. And it's completely behind, the, it showed, takes you right behind, behind the scenes of The Muppets and it shows how they did it uh, from everything to, you know, puppeteering, you know, all classic sketches, recording the vo recording songs, writing. Mm. It, it, it's Stunning, but it's, it was one of those moments where you go, You gotta be kidding me, that's it. No way, because you know, you're seeing the actual size of them and how yeah, it actually yeah, works. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so this amazing documentary called Of Muppets and Men, and that was so influential to me mm. because it was everything you realize oh, it's, not, it's not just voices, it's not just puppetry, it's not just writing, it's not just it's everything together. And what I loved was the, the sense of joy of it all. Yeah. This wasn't just doing something for the sake of making a show. You could see that these people genuinely 
loved each other and they were trying to make themselves laugh. Yeah. And it, it's a it's a really great watch. There's a new documentary that came out last Friday. Okay. Called Muppet Guys Talking. Ah. Well, guess what that's about? Yeah. I'm, yeah. And yeah. it's it's pretty much um the 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 main players in the Muppets that aren't dead. <laughs> Uh, all back together. <laughs> uh, Muppet Guys Talking is a much better name for the documentary. Yeah, than guys but who aren't dead people, talking. People who aren't dead talking. Yeah. <laughs> and it's Frank Oz, who is Miss Piggy, and yeah, Fuzzy, yeah, and yeah. obviously Yoda, and all these other things. But Frank Oz, Miss Piggy, Yoda, and um, Ernie from Sesame Street, and loads of others. And then there's Bill Beretta, who is Pepper the Prawn, and, um, and a whole bunch of other characters. And there's Fran Brill, who um, she played Prairie Dawn in Sesame Street, and and then there's Dave Goles, yep. who was Gonzo, Gonzo and it's them in in this room talking, and it's it's a really loose conversation, and there's cameras floating around behind yeah, them, you yeah, see yeah. everything, even when they have a coffee break, the cameras still roll, still sing, yeah, yeah, and it's it's fascinating because it's. Um, if you've loved, you know, insert show or film here, if you've loved whatever, you know, the thing that you're into is, to be able to hear the people that were there right at the beginning telling you how it worked and telling you the stories that you've never really heard. Yeah. Or, you know, it's like, if you're, I'm a big fan of Queen. You know, my, my first <laughs> band I ever got into is Queen. And if there's anything to do with Freddie Mercury or Queen, I've probably got it. You know, <laughs> sat on a hard drive, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, I've got, oh, you know, it's all there. And so... Whatever film, TV show, band, whatever it is that you're into, you've probably seen the, all the documentaries of the history yep. and you've seen those clips and those yes, photos. Yep. So to see new ones that you have never been shown before and hear stories that you didn't know, I didn't know it was that, really? That's really cool. And that's it's what this documentary very is. Very cool. I, I, I like it how they film during the coffee as well because that's when people let their guard down yeah. on the coffee break. Because like, you, when you're doing like a little co conversation, you're like, oh, yeah, it's just a loose conversation. If there's like cameras around people, you know, mm -hmm. naturally people will sort of create their, their usual persona for interviews or whatever. Yep. But as soon as you get a coffee in your hand, you're like, no, this is me. Yep. This is me. Well, and there's two versions of it too. There's the um, there's the regular version, Muppet Guy's talking about mm. You know, $10, just under $10. Or there's the super nutbag fan version that's <laughs> about $100. It's okay. about to go up to $197, I think. What and are you I'm, getting I'm, for $100? I know. So um, you can guess which version I got. <laughs> I, 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 and as far as I understand, at some point in the near future, I'm getting a signed DVD by Frank Oz. Oh, wow. And okay. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, I'm in. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Um, it's worth uh, it's it's great. So um, no, I'm just a I'm I'm just a big fanboy that happens to also be in these shows. This is funny because like we were talking earlier about um, sort of physical media, yeah, digital media, yeah. right? Um, and like yeah, I've passed it. No, 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 no more DVDs. No, yeah. no, no. And it's like oh no, but Frank Oz signs it. Oh no, I'm all over I that. Gotta have it. <laughs> gotta have it. It's collection. Yeah. Well, well, here's a good example. Queen. Yep. They released uh, an anniversary edition of the News of the World album last, okay. last oh, year. Oh, wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is really cool. And yeah. they've remastered and restored it. But there's all these extra takes and alternate versions of, of things like We Will Rock You or ah. We Are The Champions that have never been heard. <laughs> and it's, it's, like, it's like it's brand new. Yeah, of course, yeah. Now, the, there's all these extra cuts on top of the regular album. So you can get the regular album. 
Yep. Online. Yeah. Great. yeah, oh, yeah, course, yeah, 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 yeah. But of course, if you want the nutbag fan version with all these extra things, you've got to buy the limited edition box set. Yeah, and it, it so folds that, out. And yeah, it, so, <laughs> so I've got that now. You know, it, it, it weighs, it's, it weighs it, it, the weight of a pony. <laughs> but yeah, to me, that's when you want the the, yeah. the actual physical thing. Don't you think as well? Like, I, I find, like, for me, if it's something that I really love, yeah. like a band or a yeah. film, like, I will. Buy, so, like, I own um all the Foo Fighters albums physically yeah. own them yeah. I know I could just stream them I know I could just download them that's but, treasure but I yeah and yeah. they're the only CDs I own the only ones because I don't want any other ones I but I want the Foo Fighters ones because yeah. I, I love them so much and it's like I think when you when you're that you know when you're that passionate about yeah. something you, you you're willing to have something you can hold yeah I'm looking around here I've got um, what we got here? Th uh, Thunderbirds, yeah. <laughs> the, the complete series, Love it. and this is the true fanboy. Whether the Jerry Anderson collection, the geriatric, no, the Jerry Anderson <laughs> version. Well, this is this is great. Thunderbirds. They've gone back to the original negatives. Mm. It's a recent restoration. Okay, they've gone back to the original um, thirty-five mil negatives. Done a really good restoration and mastered them beautifully. Now here's the fanboy coming out. Go on. There is a Blu-ray that's been around for a good few years of Thunderbirds in the UK. It's awful <laughs> because they've taken a remastered version of, of these shows yeah. from the original negatives. But then this show was made in four, in four nine. Yeah, sorry, what's up? Yeah, so this show was made in four three. Yep. Yeah, the original. Oh aspect, yeah, yeah, the yeah, original yeah, aspect yeah, ratio. Yeah. They've remastered it in sixty nine. Oh. So basically, to fit a widescreen television. And it's in HD, yeah. But to fit a widescreen TV, they basically cut the top and bottom off it. So, so basically, oh, so, so, cut yeah, image. so it's the equivalent of you've got a really nice picture, <laughs> but you found a frame that's a different shape to the picture. Yeah. So yeah. you slice the top and bottom uh, off the picture to fit it in the forget frame. Forget you, Rembrandt. I yeah. Mean, oh. yeah. Yeah. I, I like you. I like you, uh, Da Vinci. But um, this frame's so pretty. <laughs> so it and it what it does. Is it makes it look like just everything is shot too close up. Oh no! It's high quality. Yeah, but it doesn't look right. So the same thing has happened. I, I know what you're talking about. The same thing has happened on um, the Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, so love Buffy. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a great show. Um, but they tried to release HD versions of Buffy mm. the Vampire Slayer. But of course, Joss Whedon, when he was filming Buffy, he made the active choice that it was going to be filmed in four three. Yep. That was it. He's like, it's been filmed from 4.3, it's been filmed from TV, this is how I want to tell this yep. story, this is how I want it to be seen. Um, and they were like, well, now we want to have these HD versions, yep. they need to be 16.9. Nope. No, but what they've done is like, you can now see like where it's been cut off. Mm. And some parts they've zoomed it in, some parts they've just added the old sort of, uh, what they've, so they've obviously filmed it in like 16.9 yeah. way, or they've, you know, whatever. Um, and then, or I think they've filmed it really large, um, and then they zoomed it in for the 4.3 yes. race that, yeah, yeah. that Joss yeah. Whedon wanted. So what they've done for the 169 is they've zoomed back out, yeah. cut off the top and bottom. Yeah. But now you can see bits of equipment what? in the frame. And, it in. Yeah, yeah. Oh it's, boy. it's just like, oh, this is not. And it, so it makes you understand why he did the 4-3, because he wanted things to be close, yeah. intimate, yeah. whatever. But like you, so when you're watching the HD buffer, you're going, Oh, I can I can see a cameraman's leg. If you I remember when they first brought out airplane on DVD, there's a <gasps> great, great documentary. Yeah. There's a great um commentary of that. Yeah. And as they go through the airport, they're walking to the airport, this tracking shot at the beginning. Um, it's it's probably the first time you've ever seen it in, in widescreen because mm. you know, I've only ever seen it on TV in 4.3. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And on the commentary, they go, okay, at this point, you can just probably see all the cables and things, the corner 
<laughs> because, uh, yeah, these people are actually real people from the airport walking through for their flights. We couldn't afford to stop them. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 yeah, and so it reveals all this other stuff. But if, if you like your comedy, if you like your sitcoms, yeah. um, they've released, well, it's been around for a while, but they've finally in the UK, they've released on iTunes at least, uh, Seinfeld. Yes, I saw it, yeah. Uh, and I bought, I'm a big Seinfeld fan. Uh, and the... Um, They've uh, they've done the same thing where they they've restored it from the original negatives, and they've released it in '69, mm. even though it was originally released in '43. But they've done it really well. But that's a rare thing to hear. <laughs> it's yeah, you you know how they should look. Yeah, yeah. And you watch these versions, and you wouldn't know. Really, I know it, it's. I, I I there must be more information either side of it. You know? yeah. But, yeah. Well, I, I so. I mean, I love Seinfeld as well. Great one to bring up. He's that's just that's a, a show where you hate them all and still yep. laugh, and I love it. But um, what was it? Um, Friends done yeah. the same thing. So yeah, yeah. if you watch Friends on Netflix yeah. now, that's all in HD. Yeah. And the first time I watched it, it kind of threw me. I was like, "Oh, this looks a little bit." I it's like it looks the same, but it looks better. And then I went back and I was like, because I've got the I've got the original standard definition copies on yeah. a hard drive. Yeah. And I watched one. I was like, I have to check. So I watched the same episode and I went, oh, that's oh, they they so they must have filmed it like this. Yeah. And so you see more left and right. Yeah. Like yeah. So. But it doesn't it doesn't affect it. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. So it's okay. I sat in on I, I sat in on a on a filming of Friends. Really? I went out to Warner Brothers in LA. Wow. And, and we had um reserved seats in the audience to go and see. They, Warner were really nice and, and they yeah. organised these, these seats for us. And it was the one where Chandler has the hypnosis tape. You're, yes. You were a strong and be confident, <laughs> beautiful woman. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and uh, oh, it was it was so exciting to see yeah. this film live. And there's, mind you, I was a huge Frasier fan as well. Yeah, Frasier's brilliant. Sure. And I remember as we arrived at Warner Brothers, they were also filming Frasier in another soundstage. I was there going, but why is he Frasier? I really like that. Scrambled eggs. Yeah, one of my tough salads. But it was the most incredible thing to see perform live, and it was grueling. Have you ever watched a sitcom be filmed? No, I've not, no. Because I went and saw Red Dwarf film uh, out at um, Pinewood um, mm. a year or so back, well, a couple of Januarys back. Okay. The, the new series they're doing. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and that was good. I mean, it, but it was... Also, great return to form for Red Dwarf, by the way. I yeah. think, like, the last couple of seasons have been like, oh, this is like old Red Dwarf. Yeah. This is like seasons four or five Red Dwarf. Yep. That's like, Re yeah, really good. Well, um, but Friends, I mean, it was... It's really how you do it. In, in terms of the biggest show in the world at that time, it yeah. was as good as it got, as big as it was back then. And it was grueling really? for the audience, yeah. I mean, it was exciting. But how many hours would you imagine it takes to film the 20, you know, four, 26 minutes of an episode of Friends? Oh, God, I imagine it's over a couple of days. Like, no, one, 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 one. Just one day, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess for 20 minutes, I'm going to guess, Five to six hours? Seven. Seven. Yeah. Okay, there you and go. And what they do, for the for the sake of the audience, they film it in sequence. Right, so, so the they story follow the makes story. Sense. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, it started off at Central Park. Mm. But this particular episode, it went from Central Park to cut to Chandler's apartment, yep. back to Central Park, and there you go. It, oh, it, my it God, so you've got to do the set right. Yep, yeah. so what you had, you had the, you had the first take, which is a, a, a wide shot. Yep. 
Got all these, you know, film Panavision film cameras. So it's not like digital where you just got a hard drive. You got yeah. to keep loading these cameras. So you got the wide shot, and it does the first bit of this, and then they do it again if there's a, a, a retake, yeah. uh, and then they go in again for close-ups of the same scene. So you might see just that first moment, that that first little scene in Central Park. Um, let's say a minute long, mm. film four times. Then they stop, remove all the equipment, all the lighting, the Panavision cameras, the mic sound, all this, down to the far left-hand side, which is where Chandler and Joey's apartment was, yep. for this little joke. Then they go through the same thing, and, and oh maybe there's a, a line that didn't work as well as it could have done, so the writers get in a huddle and rewrite that line. Then they go back to Central Park, and the whole thing, and it's about an hour and a half. Just for, yeah. And then the opening title's, are due to start. <laughs> and, and it's very exciting because it's like, you know, you're in this in a friends. This is, this is golden to see yeah, this with yeah, Boris. Yeah. But then by hour six, <laughs> it's like, well, it's, it's 11 o'clock yeah. now. We're starting kind of at 5.30. Kind of getting hungry now. <laughs> and they brought the, the audience pizza. Oh, right. Yeah, okay, they, they yeah, bring, yeah. And, they're, and they're, they're bringing the, the warm-up guy. It was very good, and they're playing games with the audience and things. Yeah. But, but frankly, you know, if you're, if you're sat in the same little seat in the bleachers for five hours and you can't move, if you, if you wanted to leave, you're not coming back in. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there are, there's a standby line with a lot of people that want to be there. Oh, God, yeah, of but course. That was, yeah. that was really exciting. Oh, yeah, just holding, hold it in. Hold, hold it hold, in. Hold, hold the... <laughs> now, hang on a second. Now, for your podcast audience, we just have to let them know there is a... There is an oven of chips that I, that I put on. <laughs> an oven of in, chips. In fact, hang on. I'm going, to pop, I'm going to pause this one second. Hold this thought. I'm going to get us some chips. <laughs> that was that, I've never had a break during a podcast recording. Meanwhile, you joined us again after a nice bag of chips. <laughs> Actually, for the record, it was a beautifully home cooked uh, pile of chips. It was it was fantastic. And if you'd like to do them at home, here's what you do. <laughs> Give me the recipe. Here we go. If you have a steamer, steam your potatoes for. 10 minutes. If you do not have a steamer, don't steam them because that'll be very awkward. If you don't have a steamer, boil your potatoes cut up in chip shapes for 10 minutes. Once boiled, take them out. Pat them down on a nice piece of kitchen roll. Then, in a preheated oven set to volcanic eruption, get out the baking tin, put your bits of potatoes in the baking tin, drizzle with olive oil or rapeseed oil. That's right, olive and a little bit of salt and pepper and oregano, and then whack in the oven, turning occasionally for around 40, 45 minutes. And hey, Bisto, you've then got beautiful hot and crunchy chips. <laughs> or as we nearly had, almost burnt chips. <laughs> they, 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 were, they were on the well, well done. They were lovely, They're Pretty though. good. Yeah, I'm very happy. I like that. We have, to, we have a bit of a chat, first of all, yep. and then we have a break, yep. and now we're back. It's cool. Welcome back to the podcast. <laughs> they haven't gone anywhere. They, they haven't gone anywhere. Yeah, they exactly. switched up about five minutes there. <laughs> He's talking about aspect ratios. Are you kidding me? <laughs> really? You it's got like, a guy that was in Star Wars and did Pink and all this other stuff, and all they're talking, talking about? about aspect ratios and potatoes. This is what this, this is the Gigatorium podcast. This is what we talk about. It's like, ah, we oh, I love it. I, it's great fun. Um, actually, let's let's do that for a second. You did Star Wars. Let's talk Star Wars for yeah. a second. You did Star Wars. What was I did Star Wars? You did Star Wars. You did Star Wars. Star Wars. Um, I was Terry the caretaker. <laughs> Right, Jabba, fancy a pie. I still, um, still one of my favorite um, things uh, in terms of like Star Wars and comedy sketches is still the the robot chicken. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Star Wars, That's where the, the cleaner 
just sweeping up every so often, and it's like here, here's the the, the two halves of Darth Maul. Oh, I'm gonna, I gotta get to Coruscant. This <laughs> Mace Windu. I can't wait to move to the Death Star. Well, I was a, a massive Star Wars fan. Yeah, you know, it, it, as all proper um, film geeks would be. And so, yeah, right in the heart of me, but into Indiana Jones and, and E.T. and Close Encounters. Then I'm the first Star Wars film I saw in the cinema was Empire. Right. Oh, so I saw right. it in the wrong. The, you, I, the yeah, be- but you also saw the best one. I saw the best one. So the bit of chip blowback there. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite Star Wars movie? Well, <laughs> I was going to say I'd love to say that I'd edit that out, but I'm not going to. <laughs> yeah, it's hygiene's amazing. So my first Star Wars film I saw was oh, Empire Strikes Back. So the first Star Wars film I saw in the cinema was Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> And it was a revelation, you know, yeah. to see you know, this. And um, so anyway, I was a big Star Wars fan. And my mom, this one day, she came back from uh, a shopping expedition and had got me a lot of Star Wars figures. And um, I'm not sure if I should say this. She got them from a friend of hers that, yeah. who worked for a place that's, that makes the toys. Oh, wow. Right. That, okay. that, that was a story that we believed. Okay. That about 15 years ago, I think this person died. Mm. And, and we found out, I think they were stolen. <laughs> There's a lot of Star Wars figures. Uh, so, uh, so we, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure. Oh, that's just, I like that bootleg <laughs> Star Wars figure. No, no, proper Star Wars figures. Yeah, no, but, my uh, God. but yeah, well, so that's, that's an interesting introduction. So, um, I think if I told it wasn't that. She, my mom didn't steal them, by the way. Okay, cool. The she, she didn't like Han Solo yeah, them. Didn't but, we, okay. <laughs> anyway. Smuggled them in. <laughs> but uh, so, uh, and with, with the family's first ever video camera, I would do little stop motion films oh, of Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they inevitably, they were on mom and dad's patio. And it was all a bit rinky-dink, but brilliant. Mm. You know, early robot chicken. Yeah. And of course, I didn't have access to any of Industrial Light and Magic's Special effects. Okay. So, but I did have matches. <laughs> so, for the sake of these films, I learned how to be a pyromaniac for about 20 seconds. Yeah, yeah. And then Mum would smell flames. And they're like, Mark, it's, it's supposed to be the ice planet Hoff. Why are you saying on? <laughs> really warm. Yeah, yeah. These attacks really aren't going for it properly. So, um, but yeah, and one of the characters I had um, from Jedi mm. was Regis. Oh, okay, yeah. The you know, the character with a goat's head and three eyes and yeah. you know, Reese. Well, um, fast forward to me actually starting to do this professionally. Because yeah. up until that point, I'd worked in radio as a producer and, and then I did presenting for a while. And um, it really, the, my, my, my role in all this was, was production behind the scenes. Yeah. I never had any aspiration to be on a stage or in front of a in screen or cameras. I still don't really now, although... Every now and then it, it happens, you know, as a consequence. And um and, and so yeah, and so I, I focused on on doing voice work. Yeah. Because I'd learned how to produce and direct and write and make other people sound good. And then I needed voices for what I was doing um, in radio for these little sketches I was writing. Yeah. And so I, I taught myself, it's all self-taught. I've got no, I've, had, I've got no drama. Formal I've training. Had, yeah, yeah. I've got no formal training. I mean, technically, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> That's, I always find that like, the people who have done well, like yeah. a lot of people have done well, it's like they have just taught themselves. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it's, if it's in you, it's like an artist or what, mm. what, Whatever creative field it is, you know, it's if you love it, you'll find a way of making it happen. Mm. But um, so anyway, so I, I grew up loving all these different characters, and, and then 
um, not long after I'd worked on the first film that I was part of, which was Chicken Run. Mm. Oh, I um, I got. Uh, actually, I'll tell you about that. Yeah. A little sidetrack. A little, little sidetrack. I got a phone call from this agent saying, uh, "There's a new film being put together called Chicken Run," and I was a big, big Ardman fan, so I, I you know, yeah. I said, but they they're just finishing it off now, but they need extra cluckers to fill it out and for the ADR for the extra. <laughs> So they said, could you send us... Uh, I'm so uh, glad it was cluckers. <laughs> well, I'm guessing that's what they said. But they said they needed these um, these extra clucks and you know, basically yeah. to fill out these scenes. So could you send me... Uh, we need a, a, a collection of, of basically you clucking to show you can do it as an audition. So I went in my little studio and thought, well, you think of the number of people that will get that call. And this this... This logic applies to anything you do at any any job, but especially something creative. There'll be lots of people that can go, and and yeah. you know that's what they'll be getting from lots of people. Yeah. I thought, well, what can I do to make it sound more personable? So I thought I will demonstrate various states of chicken. <laughs> so chicken. yeah. So I thought <laughs> we'll have walking down the street chicken, which okay. is, which is like. Oh, so yeah, humming a tune to itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. And yeah, then, yeah. and then uh, waiting in line. Yep, yep. This is it's the post office. Yep. Then uh, Tweety comes out with with a knife. <laughs> and then uh, picks them up by the throat, and the inevitable might happen. <laughs> <laughs> but then, you know, so that was a nice way of demonstrating this idea. Yeah. But I thought, you know what? I, let's just give one more thing that can stamp my mark on on this so they do remember me. And so I got hold of this instrumental version of Frank Sinatra, New York, New York. No. And then in, I, in Chickens, I did five-part harmony clucking. And it was like Bohemian Rhapsody level. It was really good. Anyway, I got the gig. Yeah. And Nick Park was there and Peter Lord was there. I took my little Ardman book to get yeah, signed, yeah, yeah. fanboy. Of course. Uh, and uh, and every time they needed me, that they, they you'd hear, can you bring the Sinatra chicken in, please? <laughs> so it worked. But Star Wars was yeah. not long after that. Okay. And I got this phone call out of the blue saying, are you free on Tuesday to come down to London to meet the casting director of a new Star Wars film? I said... Give me just one second. Yes. <laughs> and I did. I went down and I met with the casting director, yeah. Robin Gerland, and we were handed, I was handed these sheets, these single sheets of paper. Yeah. With no character name, nothing, no surrounding dialogue. And they said, okay, um, this character is a, uh, a, a street seller, a bit of a sleazebag, used car salesman kind of thing, you know, can't be trusted. What would you do for this? And you do that. And then this guy is uh, a politician. Yeah. Um, very um, English clipped up across. This guy is a, you know, is Japanese. And these two characters that I, that I got asked to go in for. And the ones in the opening scene were a guy called uh, Tay Hao. Mm. Well, like a, he was a Nomoidian. And oh, yeah. He yeah. was a Nomoidian with a you know, long head. here. the, the, Actual dialogues all sped up, but he, uh, you know, pitched up, and he hear, uh, "Quick, sir, a transmission for the planet, sir. He's calling the ventilation shop, sir. Uh -huh. It's all that kind of stuff." Yeah. Uh, and then, um, but the the main character is this one called Axmo, A K S M O E, yeah, and he is the ambassador of Malastare, 
And he's in the Senate scene. Yeah. And he's got a goat's head with three eyes. Yeah. And it's basically... <laughs> so it's, you've gone from have, owning this toy. Yeah. Like, this is my... To being that. To being yeah. that toy. Yeah. And it, so, yeah, essentially, it's from the, the Rigi's you know, family. Yeah. And uh, and it was it was incredible. And so I, I went into Abbey Road Studios. Now, to record at Abbey Road Studios for anything is a privilege. Oh, of course, yeah. But yeah. to be able to walk into Abbey Road Studios and and you go so, up to reception and, and they go, can I help you? And he goes, Mark Silk for George Lucas. <laughs> And she went, oh, yes, Mr. Silk, he's expecting you. Please I, take a seat. What I like is the idea that you're trying to play it cool on the uh, outside, but the fanboy inside you is just, like, screaming mm, away. Yeah. Yeah. But when you hear Mr. Lucas is expecting you, you think, <laughs> And I sat down on this sofa mm. at Abbey Road Studios. In fact, I, I, I went back to Abbey Road a, a okay. few months ago for a little for a proper look around. Yeah. And I saw, you know, where I, I remember where I sat. And that was the last time... I remember ever being really nervous. Really? Yeah, really, really. I, I, I sat there and for a while, it seemed quite a long time, but I sat there and I remember thinking, what am I doing here? <laughs> and then you realise, actually, what you're there for is because they saw something in you that they liked. Yeah, exactly. You're so, there for a reason. And so we went up to the penthouse studio at Abbey Road Studios. Now, again, the fanboy in me, yeah. the, the lover of, of his work in these movies, it had been 16 years since Jedi. Yep. And so we didn't know anything about what it would look like, what these new characters would be. We didn't know anything. It had been really, you know, kept into wraps. And I walk into this penthouse studio and there are monitors all over the ceiling yeah. with it's all there. You know, wow. All these new, you know, underwater things and this bit and the Senate and all that. And I, I looked up and then my I, I looked back down again, almost like you shouldn't be looking. Like you've like just seen someone you know, come out of the shower or something. Like, you, you shouldn't be looking at this. Yeah. Which, of course, I should be. And I sat there for a good while while they were finishing off with a, another performer. I, and I don't remember for certain, but I think he might have been Armored Best. Oh, okay. So, so yeah, yeah. It, it might have been Jar Jar. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's a story. Uh, and and then it, it was just incredible. They, they took a break. They 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 said, "Look, we're just gonna take take five. Um, if you just want to go in the voice room and just make yourself comfortable." And everyone went. And I walked into this um, voice recording room, which big big room, and there was just one person there, and it was George Lucas. How do you deal with well, that? Well, and it was, you know, it's just it's just like anyone else, isn't it? Yeah, in the of end. course. Yeah, yeah. But I wanted to go. I think you brought that together. But I just said, no, it's lovely to meet you. And he went, yeah, it's nice to meet you, Mark. So, would you like a potato chip? <laughs> and he offered me a pret a manger redded salted potato chip, As a crisp. And of course, brilliant. and I said to him. Oh, I said, thank you, um, George, but I, I won't because it'll make me a bit crispy during the record session. And then internally I'm going, I just turned down a potato chip from George Lucas. I should have taken the potato chip and kept it in a bell jar and, until they invent eBay. <laughs> you know, and, and it kind of went from that. And and then we we recorded this this dialogue and it was I spent the afternoon with him. Yeah. And it was it was so exciting. And really? the uh um, and they'd already shot the the footage of it, mm. so there was the actual the animatronic head was done. Yeah, was already performed with you know green screen, and um, but they got this holding recording, like this mm. placeholder of dialogue of, of a guy going, "The Congress of Marister concur with the right honourable delegate of the Trade <laughs> Federation. A commission must be appointed. That is the law." 
<laughs> and, and so I had to, because I needed that to make yeah. sure the lip flaps were yeah, correct on the yeah, animatronic yeah. Um, character. And so, of course, I've got to fit that dialogue exactly. And it was just a bit, it was really quick. Yeah. And um, I remember the, just to, again, because it, it was, it, again, the last time I ever got nervous in the studio. But just to get the words out. I did the the level check. We're just making sure all the levels are right on the microphone for the engineers from Industrial Light and yeah. from, from um, Skywalker Sound rather that were there. I did it as Sylvester the Cat. And so, <laughs> I it, uh, just to, you know, and it was, uh, and, uh, so the, the, you get the, the cue dots come across the screen. Yeah. Going, boop, boop, boop. And you start on four. So you heard boop, boop, boop. The Congress of Malafgare concur with the right honourable delegate for the Trade Federation. A commission must be appointed. You are despicable. <laughs> and they laughed. And then and then I would say, now, can we do it with the voice that we spoke about, please? <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, so we That's did. the director's cut we all want to hear. Is yeah. <laughs> well, some, yeah, I don't, uh, yeah uh, it might even exist somewhere. Who knows? I doubt it. They probably That's what the delete key's for. <laughs> and then we did a number of versions of yeah. it. And, and, you know, the, the and, and it basically got higher and higher and higher. And he'd say, um, yeah, I like that. That's, that's really nice. Um, uh, let's just try one more. Higher. <laughs> Because the Congress of Malice, they can crown with the right honorable delegation. Commission must be reported. That is the law. That's good. That right. Mark that. I like that. That's good. Just one more. Higher. <laughs> The Congress of Malice they can crown with the right honorable delegate of the Trade Federation. A commission must be appointed. That is the law. That's really good. Now that's that's a preferential take for now. Uh just a one more thought. Can we just do one more little higher? <laughs> <laughs> and, then kind of went on and, on. and it was brilliant because um, that's actually all it really needed in terms of direction to yeah. you know, just find this character's voice and the final version was like the Congress of Malice and Car with the right to honourable oh. delegate for the Trade Federation a commission must be appointed that is the law oh, that's the one and you know and, and there's other little bits and pieces but to have just been in that room with him as a fan and as yeah. an admirer of the work and and to be to be part of that world, it was such a privilege. Yeah, and, and it still is. It's opened so many doors uh, to other people. You know, just being—it's it, a great shortcut to people being interested in what you do. So, um, the end of last year, I was in New York and I, I ended up doing this signing for Topps Cards. Yeah, Topps yeah. Collectibles. So, signing all these trading cards for their Masterworks series. So, there's myself, um, you know, Mark Hamill, all these other incredible people signing these things, and in the collector's cards that you know go around the places of the masterwork series um every you know, there will be in every now and then there'll be a, a, a signed card yeah. in one of them but you you know you buy them and you yeah, find out whether or not there is and um you know and it, it's just to be part of that is it's really exciting and there's such cool people out there too and then back in um end of last year i got asked to well i got asked to host Symphonic Star Wars at the oh, Royal Albert Hall. Wow. So it was, I mean, look at this for a bill. It was the Royal Philharmonic yeah. Orchestra and me live <laughs> at the Royal Albert Hall. Uh, and I, so I was basically your storyteller. I was your host, your yeah. presenter. I'm taking you through each Star Wars film in order, Brilliant. playing the key scores from each movie. Yeah. And and then in between that, um, just I told an anecdote about working on, on the movie. And... Uh, yeah, because the the important thing is to host it how you'd want it. 
see it. How yeah. you want to see no, the show. No, absolutely. Because it's not about, this isn't about me, this show. This yeah. is all about the, the scores of John Williams and the films. Um, but the reaction was unbelievable. Because yeah. I never, I, I'm, I don't consider myself a known name. Yeah. And, I, and I'm certainly not a known face. But when I walked out after they introduced me, they went nuts. And it was, it was a lot of fun. And straight away, what, what was lovely was, um, it's great to know the audience is on your side. Yes. You know, I mean, oh, God, yeah, yeah, yeah. As a comedian, like, I know exactly what that's like. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And you know what? Yes, of course, it, it's even if they never heard of you, mm. it, it's, it's the whole package. It's Star Wars. They're not there. They're to see the whole thing. But if you, if you don't get it right, you've got, a, you've got a few minutes grace, and that's it. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? It's like, because they're there for Star Wars. They're there for that. Yeah. So you are either, you can either be the guy who elevates it a little bit, gives a little bit extra. Yeah. Or you're the guy who's getting in the way of what they want. That's exactly it, yeah. And all they want is for you to finish and, and play the, the cantina scene. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, by the way, is astonishing live. Yeah? Yeah, steel drums, bass, saxophone, incredible. Most of the orchestra aren't aren't playing when that is being played because yeah, yeah. it's mainly percussion, saxophone. Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. But, uh, oh, my God. Um, my call time for rehearsal that day was one o'clock in the afternoon. Mm, mm. Uh, we're doing two shows. It was one at three, three thirty and one seven, seven thirty. And uh, and they just they packed the place. I think there were over ten thousand people that came yeah. to see us. But my call time was about one, one thirty, and I got there at ten AM just to watch them rehearse. Really? Were you kidding? Yeah. You know, to be able to sit and watch the Royal Philharmonic play yourself. those. Yeah, I had the oh. run of the Royal Albert Hall. It was such a thrill. And to hear the 20th Century Fox Overture played live. It's goosebump inducing. I tell you, right, so I've um and I'm sure you have as well, the the newest Star Wars film yep. I've really enjoyed. Yeah. Um but do you know what's missing? It's 20th Century Fox Overture. So the fact that Disney have yep. now bought Fox. Yeah, I'm like, please put it back bring in. Bring it back, bring please it back. Please put it back in. Because yeah. it just, it does. It adds, I remember the first time I, and by, I always remember when I was a kid, for some reason, it was always around Christmas, mm. Empire would be on. Yep. Always Empire. Da, 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 and I remember da, 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 da. I heard it on the screen, I was like, yeah, this is it. This is it. Star yeah. Wars time. Yeah. Get really, really excited. Yeah. And, then it's, and it's quiet. Just a galaxy far, far away. And you're like, oh my God. And then, Ah, that, yeah, that whole thing. That's to me. That's as much a part of the Star Wars score, yeah. as John Williams' work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. So that was an, an incredible thing, and mm. and, um, um, and so many friends came to watch and support and surprise Brilliant. us there. And uh, mom was a very proud mom that night. <laughs> Dad would have been too if he was still around, but she had a she was thoroughly looked after, and she was in a, a great box. Uh, and uh, you know, it, it was my dressing room had a wet room in it. Yeah. A wet room. Yeah, like proper wow. shower, as opposed to bad hygiene. Yeah, it, it yeah. Had yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, it, it, and everyone at the Royal Ever Hall and, and the um, Royal Philharmonic, they were just incredible. Uh, also, as a nice as a nice sort of consequence of doing this, every now and then, um, every now and then I'd go and visit the, the children's hospital in Birmingham. Mm. And so they'll have a party every sort of three months and I'll go there and I have a load of Comic-Con prints yeah. printed of the yeah, you know, yeah. really you know, art-grade quality photos. And uh, I go and sign them and do character voices for the, you know, patients and, and, and carers and you know staff there, and it's a really lovely afternoon. Uh, and um, the last but one Christmas, the, the I'd packed everything away. I was about to go, and then I turned around. There was a kid in a full-on, you know, Stephen Hawking wheelchair with a tracheotomy and oxygen and the whole thing. His carer and his mom, and um, I just said, oh, you know, where do you come from? 
and he'd he couldn't speak. Uh, but his his mom told me that he'd he'd heard there was someone that was in Star Wars in the hospital, oh. and that's what makes him happy. Brilliant. He's a massive Star Wars fan, and so they he insisted that they got him dressed, got him out of bed, got him dressed, got him in his special wheelchair, and then went to his locker to get his lightsaber. Oh. And then they got him all the way from the. It couldn't have been further away at the other yeah. end of the hospital. Anyway, so I just said to him, "You'll get in the works." And I had all these, you know, pictures of different characters. It was Johnny Bravo and yeah. and games and you know Pingu and, and um, all these different bits and pieces. And um, he just wanted Star Wars. And so, long story short, I followed his story because his mom got in touch with me on Facebook. I followed yeah. his story, and I'd heard that they they're trying to get him back into school at the end of last year. So I got in touch with the um, the children's hospital, the head of mm. rare diseases unit there. And said, look, I'm doing this thing at the Royal Albert Hall. Yeah, yeah. I've already cleared it. If there's one kid that should be there out of anyone, it's this kid. Oh, my God. What do we do? And we got him there. Amazing. And so you know, it, it's lovely when you can do something that you, that you love yeah. uh, and turn it around to actually, you know, help somebody else just by a call. That's but it was, that, was, that, was, that was pretty cool. But, yeah, that was a bit of fun then. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. Sorry to do, isn't was it? Was it? What is it like for you? Sort of like, you know, we've talked about you are the fanboy nerd and stuff like that. Still, what's it like going to like conventions? Like you're, you're, you're a, a name at conventions. Like people want to see you because of all the stuff that they've known you for. Cool. What's it like as a fanboy, like sort of yourself? Well, he, here's the truth of it. There was a Comic-Con in Birmingham mm. last weekend. Yeah, M uh, MCN was, not yeah. it? Yeah. I went as a visitor. Oh, brilliant. Right. Undercover. <laughs> Yeah, it's a visitor. Yeah. It's a friend of me. He'd never been to one. Yeah. So we we went there and we had a mooch around. And I I I bought a couple of, you know, yeah. I don't know, Thunderbirds thing, whatever yeah. it was. Um so and it's great. So I can do that and people don't really know what I look like, unless yeah. unless they're regular you know, of course, convention yeah, people. Yeah. But um but to actually be on the other side where you're one of the people signing or mm. people talking. It's um it, it's a lot of fun. And the truth is, I go there to have a lovely weekend. Yeah, I I genuinely enjoy chatting to the visitors because I I know what it would mean to me as a visitor, as a as a someone that enjoys the, this this kind of work. Um, and, and of of course it's lovely, but someone's saying how much they love what you do and that they're a fan of your work and they've followed you for all this and you're you know you're the voice of my childhood. And all this kind of that's that's very cool. Yeah. Um, but then you go, you know, if, if that's the only reason you're in it for, yeah, then you can have a very short day because you know you, you go, you're there for the whole weekend or day, yeah. however long it is. And I really enjoy chatting with other people that have this shared interest. You know, and there's yeah. friends, you know, I met you there. You know, we yeah. get to know people through that. There's um, um, this guy I was talking to last last year at uh, Comic-Con in Wales. And um, and we're just um, in the green room there. And we were just talking about movies. And yeah. he loves black and white photography. I love black and white photography. Uh, and we're talking about film versus digital <laughs> what our preferences were. Aspect ratios. Aspect ratios. <laughs> but there's a great film with Keanu Reeves, a documentary about um, about um, film versus digital. Oh, what's it called? Is it frame by frame or scene by scene? Hang on. I think I've heard of it. I don't know. I've... It's really, it's really good. And they speak to George Lucas, and they speak to um, 
major prolific filmmaker. Hang on yeah. a sec. I've got to yeah, find this now. It's <laughs> find it's, it. <laughs> it's called here we are. <laughs> Prestige quiz show. So side by side. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. called Side by Side, and they speak to David Lynch, David Fincher, Robert Rodriguez, Martin Scorsese, uh, Keanu Reeves presents it, Steven Soderbergh, and mm. and we're just talking about all this stuff. And um, and so you know we we kept in touch, and and when um, he's invited me out to catch up with him when I go yeah. to Los Angeles, and I've invited him to go over here when he does a signing in Birmingham, but it was just two people talking about stuff they enjoy. Yeah. But the thing that kind of made it extra cool was I grew up watching his work uh, because he was short round in Indiana Jones, The Temple of Doom and Data in Goodies. Yeah. And Key is such a cool guy. Yeah. And, I've, yeah. And you get to bump into these people and, you know, make friends. And, and um, it's like, you know, it's like with anything, you get talking to someone in a coffee shop, you know, you just keep in touch. But it's, it's re same with, um, even same with some of the visitors, mm. you'll have repeat visitors that go yeah. there just to say hello to you, stalker. Yeah. But you know, just say hello to you. Uh, um, and I remember their names. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Which surprises them. Is I I think it's mad. Like I, because I'm fairly new. Like I'm not fairly new to the convention. I've been going to conventions. Um, well, actually, no, I'm saying that I haven't been to conventions in my life. My I've got a show where I talk about that. Yeah. Uh, but like I've been going to conventions since about twenty. 11, 2012. Okay, so seven, six, seven years. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, it's a great, I've enjoyed it. And like, so I started doing that and then I got involved in sort of hosting maybe two or three years ago. And so it's like, it's really weird sort of like when I go through like, like if I go for my friends on Facebook, like who I've been adding recently and who I talk to is, is it's like, this is mad. I know this person. Like I've known this person's work. I don't know. But then like, it doesn't even enter into, it stops. It stops going from being like, oh, this is crazy, ah, to being like, well, no, I just know this person. Yeah, now. And like, like the, reason, the reason we chat is because we've got something that we like to talk about together. As, you and, know. and that's that's all that matters. It, it, and you, you get over that very quickly yeah. in, in your career. I mean, I've been really lucky right from the beginning of, of the work that I do to work with some really well-known people. But um, it, it doesn't matter how well-known or not well-known someone is. You either get on or you don't, or yeah. they're either interesting or lovely to work with, or they're not. Yeah. And luckily, I think probably virtually everyone I've worked with has been an absolute dream. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's that's what you want, isn't it? From life, it's just yeah. Know. And so with the directors and the cast and that, there's a show I work on called Go Jetters mm. for for um, CBBS, mm. and I'm the evil, well, not evil. He's misunderstood. <laughs> misunderstood. Yeah. <laughs> he's not evil. Yeah, he's yeah. just misunderstood. The evil character would say that. <laughs> I, I, I play a character called Grandmaster Glitch. I'll get you no jitters. Yeah. <laughs> and it is a stunning show. Yeah. Yes, it, it's for, it is officially a preschool show. But I know teenagers that watch it. Yeah. And the music is great. There's a, there's a disco unicorn. <laughs> Why wouldn't there be? Yeah, of course. And they're, they're cool little 10 minute episodes. And, uh, and we have so much fun. And there's a brilliant voice director. The writing is great. They're really tight. Mm. Um, and even, even just the way they've promoted, they've publicised the show is stunning. So if you think this is, you could any, you could write it off. It's just, a, it's just a kids show. Yeah. It's not. It's a really good show, and it's funny, and it's um, beautifully animated. But the way they've promoted it is they've created these beautiful little promos. Yeah, and, and in the style of, there was one in the style of Blue Planet Two. And it's David Attenborough's voice narrating the promo. Brilliant. And they played it after Blue Planet 2. 
Oh, so people were like, yeah, yeah, okay, they're hooked in because they think it's a continuation. Of yeah, the or they've shown it around it at the time that you'd expect a promo for Blue Planet, <laughs> and they did the same with Planet that's Earth. So too. clever, yeah. And it's it's astonishing, and to be part of something that's that successful on that level, mm. where you know I can't think of any other kids show that's being promoted on BBC oh. One in prime time like that. No, on that kind of, I mean, it's it's very. It's very cool, and even things like you know, it's got its own magazine. There's all the DVDs and toys and this and. But, I mean, um, you've, yeah, yeah, you've been involved in quite a lot of like big stuff, haven't you? Yeah. So it's like you know, it's Star Wars, uh, Go Jet, or um, Scooby Doo. We're gonna go there. Uh, like it's really creepy, <laughs> Scooball Power, right, Scoob? <laughs> yeah. I, well, well, there's um, yeah. So since Don Messi died, there's other people that get brought in to keep his. You know, character alive, and, and there's you know whether it's Matthew Lillard from the live action to yeah. um, Scott who's done stuff in LA. But I I get um, I find myself getting brought in it for the for UK and European stuff. Yeah. So it might be uh, stuff for Cartoon Network or ITV or or um, commercials, games, toys, all of that. So yeah. and, and that's and and again you know it's it's that's the the icy on the cake stuff. Yeah. You know, every that's you now this is. Only every now and then, but you'll be allowed to kind of take out these very precious toys, have a play, then put them back in the box, and then they yeah. leave them again for maybe someone else to do, or you can play with them again next time, hopefully. Yeah. It. It's the same with things like you know, Pingu. Um, I worked on... Uh, I, 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 they, they made about... A, was it about 100 new episodes of Pingu for a thing called The Pingu Show? Um <laughs> On, on BBC, and it was it was all stop motion, and yeah. they animated it in uh, ultra gamma term, uh, hot animation there. And I I went and actually went on set. I've got photos that have never been shown of, of, of behind the scenes. Oh of wow! Pink. I have to yeah. put these up sometime, share them. Um, and then um, so you know you you've got these amazing like, <laughs> but then I got brought in as the uh, narrator. Yeah. So I was the, hello, Pingu. What's that, Pingu? Oh. In an igloo? Oh, Pingu. It's all, you know, so yeah. I, was, I was your storyteller. So for that was great. And around the same time, we're recording a session of Pingu, and the head of the studio comes in and they said, um, if you were to be the American voice of a character called Bob, who's a builder, <laughs> what would you do? And um, this is the early days of, you know. Yeah. And I thought, well, you go, hi, how you doing? Come on, come on, hustle. Union rules. We're not made of money. Get these bricks up. We've got to build a wall. <laughs> and I thought, well, that's, what about something not quite as angry? <laughs> and says, like, hi, I'm Bob the Builder. How you doing? Can we fix it? Yes, we can. Aww. Come on, Wendy, Scoop, Mark, Dizzy. And so I was the voice of Bob for, I think, about a decade. Yeah. And we did loads for the States. And, and, um, and then it moved from stop motion to CGI. Mm. And then about a year or two ago, it had a massive redesign. Yeah. And, you know, and then we, we, we my, my time ended and, and, and it carried on. And But I, I loved that. And again, to go around the sets and things and just watch these animators work, it was, it was you know, magical. Brilliant. Do you find, because you're, you see, you do the uh, American voices. Yeah, British actor. You had to have like translations ready on the side. You remember, catch yourself going, "Oh no, this is a Brit that's a British thing." No. Yeah. <laughs> well, and also every now and then I've had someone say, "Isn't it a bit weird having an English guy doing the voice, doing an American voice for an American show for America?" You go, well, I understand the question. It's mm. a perfectly valid question, but actually, no. It, it's it, if it's all about 
they they cast who they felt was yeah, right for that role. Yeah. And I was very fortunate that they thought it was me. And there were other people before me as well. Um, but it kind of just felt right. Yeah. It just kind of sat right. And um, again, you know, you could say, well, um, is it okay for me to do a London accent? Ha, I'm not from yeah. London. Is it okay for me to do so? You know, it, it's, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, the yeah. point. It's acting. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah, the, yeah, it. Because yeah. if you get into that, well, can you play? Um, can you play an Australian? Yeah. Can you play someone that's older than you? Well, that's it. <laughs> it's a performance. Then it, you get into that weird thing of you're not allowed to do that, and it's like, well, not really. Why? Yeah, exactly. It's a bit of a stupid. Yeah, well, yeah but and, and again, it, it's that thing of equality, isn't it? You, mm. you go, no, you go, no. You know, it doesn't matter. I'm not actually a dog. Yeah. But, you know, because you work on the same logic, surely Scooby should be performed by an Alsatian. <laughs> that would be uh, an interesting recording to try and train. <laughs> okay, that's enough. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Um, so on the Geekatorium podcast, there's one thing that we do before we close up. Oh. Yep. Um, you get an opportunity to put something into the geek art to preserve it oh, all the time. Yeah, so something that... You know, something that's special to you or something that you think would be special for future generations to remember, uh, something that maybe captures your geeky passion or whatever. What, what would you what would you put in the geek arc? I've... Pr okay, I'm going to do a Muppets one. Ah, yes. I'm going to do a Muppets one and it will be the book that accompanied the documentary of Muppets and Men. Oh, it okay. It's really rare. So you'll be able to find the documentary of Muppets and yeah, Men on yeah, yeah. YouTube somewhere. Okay. Or in my house. Um, but there is a book which was called Off Muppets and Men. It was the making of The Muppet Show. Mm. And it's it's treasure. Um, I wanted it ever since I was a kid. I couldn't find it. And a couple of years ago, I finally got hold of a copy. No. Yeah, I'll, I'll show you later. But it, it's um, it's for somebody... For someone, somebody to come down from another planet after the apocalypse and, <laughs> and open up the Gigatorium oh, vault. Yeah, the vault, yeah. <laughs> and they can find what, what mattered to people. It's going to have to be a vault soon, by the way. <laughs> it will have to be a vault. I get the feeling it's getting bigger. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think it would be my contribution to the Gigatorium vault <laughs> would, be the, would be the Of Muppets and Men book to actually just celebrate... Uh, the joy that is everything Muppet. So is it just a com companion book to the documentary? I think, I think the book came first, actually. Oh, okay. So I this is like... This uh, is... I'm going to check my facts now. No, that's fine. Don't but worry. It, it, quite simply, it's just, it's just all these great stories and wonderful photos of just behind the scenes of the Muppet show. So you yeah. see Frank Oz, you know, um, as Miss Piggy and, and Fozzie and uh, this is before Yoda. Um, you know, puppeteering this, but all the, you know, the full you see the raised sets because you know the the puppeteers would stand you know full height with their arms up in the air, and of course the sets sort of start. If you put your arm in the air right now, mm. and if you imagine where um, the floor of the set would be, be yeah. where your elbow is, wow. so you get a lot of puppeteers with you know so shoulder injuries. <laughs> but you see all these incredible photos and, and and just stories about what it was like to make the puppets, create the voices, create the characters, how the performances work it just you know as a fan of of the muppet show and a fan of the work of jim henson and frank Oz and all these other people it's right. just um it's it's my little piece of treasure so i i love that book yep well we'll tell you what we'll stick that alongside the uh what have we got so far we've got the enterprise d 
uh, <laughs> Ecto One. <laughs> oh, Ecto One. Like, oh, Millennium Falcon. Is anyone doing the Millennium Falcon? No yet? one's in the Millennium Falcon. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, I'm too like, I can't so have one what, choice. We'll get you back on the podcast, and That'd then you can do the Millennium Falcon. We'll do that. Yeah. Yeah. That is brilliant. <laughs> I, I'll have to send you a picture of me in the uh, Millennium. No, that's gonna Millennium be so Falcon jealous. With Chewbacca. Oh my God, that is amazing. Like actually in the cockpit. Or where was it? Maybe. There's so many things. There's so many things. Um, I have no sign-off for this. Um, I feel like I should ask you to do a sign-off in a okay. voice. I don't know. What well, should we do? ladies and gentlemen, this has been quite remarkable. You've been listening to me. I think I'm quite remarkable, and I can't wait to listen back to how quite remarkable <laughs> I was during this remarkable podcast. We'd like to apologise for the break in the middle for chips. But once again, <laughs> if you want them, it's potatoes, boiled, dried, and thrown in an oven at a volcanic temperature. This has been Rick Thingy. Thank you for listening. See you next time. <laughs> or... Put this on a loop and listen to the whole thing again because <laughs> I really feel I was quite marvellous and so was Rick. Aww. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you, Mark. Thank you so much.